Here is Mandrew. Second position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! This is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh, my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there and welcome along to the LOI Arena podcast, episode number seven. Thanks for joining Conan Byrne and myself, Con Murphy, again on this week's episode. We'll be talking with the former St. Pat's and Dundalk man, Jamie McGrath, former Irish under-21 international who's had a fantastic season with St. Mern in the Scottish Premiership, scoring 16 goals in all competitions. And on Sunday afternoon, after we've recorded this, Jamie faces St. Johnson in the Cup semi-final. So we had a wide-ranging chat with him. We'll hear from Jamie uh, very shortly. A reminder that LOI Arena is brought to you by Pundit Arena. And thanks uh, for registering with us to listen to the podcast. Pundit Arena, of course, building their coverage of the League of Ireland and Irish football in general. And this podcast is part of the package. We have some brilliant guests, by the way, coming up in the pipeline over the next few weeks. More about that anon. But for now, Conan, uh, let's review on this weekend's action. In the Premier Division, Derry City and Longford uh, played out a 1-1 draw at the Ryan McBride. Brandywell, another late, late goal there for uh, Derry to rescue a point. Sligo Rovers and Dundalk was the uh, live match on uh, RTE from Oriel Park. Jordan Gibson with the winner for Sligo Rovers there. St. Pat's won, Seanock Rovers 2 on Saturday. Danny Mandroyo with another very late uh, stoppage time goal for the Hoops there to win it. Bowes, comfortable winners against Finn Harps, 4-0. Uh, Ali Coote with a couple of goals there. Two really good goals from him, actually. Um, and Waterford, their under-19s team, uh, beaten at home seven goals to nil by Drogheda United. Um, obviously, people will be aware they had a, a COVID-19 situation where a couple of the players had uh, been in contact. And as a precaution, they um, played the under-19s instead, obviously in the wake of the departure of Kevin Sheedy and Mike Newell. So it's been a pretty stormy week at the RSC and a, a real upheaval there. Yes, but they've come to the right decision anyway. Um, and I'd never be one to call for a manager being being sacked um, or to leave or, or anything like that. I wouldn't. I, I know what the 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 role of a manager and how tough it is. Um, but it was no. It, we should never notice a lack of work rate and a lack of. Um, work ethic in a managerial situation from the sidelines coming. We should never see that. But we did see that at Waterford. And when that happens, um, yeah, it is only, there's only going to be one outcome. And there was always going to be one outcome after after the, the, the debacle that's been there over the last number of weeks. The only thing I would say is, I mean, you said I'd never call for a manager's head, but actually, I mean, you were very strong last week in your comments about Waterford and the situation there. And as a pundit, I mean, it's it's your opinion if you think it's time for a manager or his assistant to move on or both in this case. And that was the impression I got listening to you. Like, I know you're a nice guy and you don't want anybody to lose their job, but I, I did get the impression that you felt for Waterford, it was going to be better if they made a change. Yeah, 100%. But it's not based on... Waterford's performances on the football pitch, like they, the Waterford players have have done really well under the situation. When you're freezing out players, um, senior players that have that would have such an impact on the young players in that dressing room, over wanting to talk about um match day tactics and how to set up against teams 
um, that you're going to be playing against. And you're frozen out for that reason. Well, there's got to be something has to give. And yeah, I wouldn't be one to call on, um, especially uh, they've only just been in the job, remember, in only a couple of months. Um, and I always call for time. You've, you know my stance on Stephen Bradley when everybody else was calling for his head, my stance on that. Um, the same be, can be said for a variety of managers that have been that have been around that I've never called for because I understand that the role that they have. But when it gets to the point where where oh, we know the situation in Waterford, like the, the, the substitute bench, not bringing up 19s, the excuse that was given for that, um, rumours of the, the missing training. Um, again, just as I said, the Brian Murphy situation, these all add up and there can only be one outcome. And that's why I was so, so strong in it last week. Now, didn't things didn't, hasn't got much better since the two have gone, obviously. Um, no fault of the players um, or the club, obviously. COVID happens. Um, but what I, I'm i just thinking whether or not would it have been a better idea for the club just to announce Drogheda, the, give Drogheda you know, the three points, regroup and, uh, and go again, rather than putting out an under-19 team that haven't played a match in five months. The team itself have never played together. Eight of the match day squad have two seasons left at under-19 level. Five of the that squad is ineligible to play. And 11, 11 of those players are doing their leaving cert this month. And you're up against senior professional footballers, the likes of Gary Deegan, Dane Massey, Chris Lyons. These are Dan, Daniel O'Reilly. These are players... Uh, League of Ireland players that have been in the league for so, so long. And I just don't know whether or not you can throw an under-19 team into a situation where the media spotlight is on these players. Um, I just don't see the benefit of playing them. Self-doubt will come in to, the, to those players. Like they, they have no experience around them. They can't rely on, on the likes of Oscar Brennan. They can't rely on the likes of Brian Murphy. They have to rely on the, themselves. And self-doubt in their own performances and, and whether they're good enough is obviously going to creep in now. The fact that they were beaten 7-0 when a simple thing would have been just like, look, we're not going to win the game. 3-0 is better than 7-0. And even for Waterford, their bottom of the league, goal difference may come into it. It's not going to help their situation at all. So I don't know. I can understand why Mike Egan took all um, the, the club itself said, look, we play the under-19s, give them a bit of experience. I get that. But in hindsight, I don't know whether it was a good idea or not. Yeah, I thought it was very nice um, when I heard that Tim Clancy and Dane Massey went into the Waterford dressing room afterwards and spoke to the lads and, and gave them a bit of a G up, um, which was a, a lovely gesture from from the lads from Drada. Um, I thought it was interesting as well. Stephen Alkin was doing the commentary on Watch LOI and he made reference to the Shamrock Rovers under-19s who played Celtic in a friendly at Tallaght. Rovers had a European match coming up in midweek, so they didn't play any of their senior players. at all. It was all the young kids. And they were beaten nine nil. And again, it looked a it looked terrible for, for for people who don't know the league. They just saw Shamrock Rovers nil, Celtic nine. But also, how damaging would that be to those players? I know that was only a friendly game, but even at the same time, to go out and get hockeyed nine nil is never never a nice thing. For yeah, a player. And no no disrespect, Celtic Andrade, or there's a bit of a difference there as well. Um, and in, and no disrespect, disrespect again, Shamrock Rovers Academy is and Waterford's Academy. There's a bit of a difference there. But yeah, I just don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for the, for um, for f- football, I suppose, uh, in the southeast because obviously Wexford are really really struggling. Um, 
And I think, as I said with with Dundalk a couple of weeks ago, that the next appointment is going to be absolutely crucial. Waterford's next appointment is going to be absolutely massive. I mentioned that Fran Rocket, I, I feel he should be part of the coaching setup down there. I know he doesn't have his full his badges, but he knows football inside out. He knows every player from every club, and that will help. Um, Dave Rogers is coming home, Con. Um, he, we saw the job that he has done over in um, Arizona and how he's built the club up from nothing to what it is today. And um, it could be something huge similar. League of Ireland experience. Yeah, and, but that's the thing, though. He's got the pro license. He's got huge League of Ireland experience. He has tasted uh, success outside the, the League of Ireland. So um, he could be he could be suitable for the role. But there's plenty of others that that I mentioned a list the other day that could, that that would be keen, I'm sure that would be keen on the job. Um, but it's crucial um, to football in in Waterford and the surrounding counties that um, they get somebody in that has a love of of the game down there and um, for the club itself. Yeah. Um, just one final word on Kevin Sheedy. Obviously, this is, um, if you were looking at his copybook, I think this would uh, probably go down as a blot. But uh, having said that, he's still uh, kind of a legend in Irish football. And, um, you know, I'll always smile when I think of Kevin Sheedy and think of that goal he scored against England in the World Cup finals and stuff so you know I wish him well and and uh, Mike Newell with whatever they go on to do speaking of uh, Irish legends obviously we lost uh, Alan McLaughlin um, during the week terrible sad news and awful news as well there, there was a minute silence before every game I think this weekend for Alan Keeley you know who comes from great League of Ireland stock has played for several clubs Dermot's son and real I think real shock around the league when when Alan died. You know, it's, um... terrible sadness. Um, Con really is. Um, I didn't know Alan Keeley personally. Now I only played against them, um, and you were always given a really really tough battle when you were up against them because I remember it was with Sporting Fingal and he was with Shelburne at the time, and it was himself and Daisy Brennan centre halves. Like, and you can imagine the two of those up against you. Absolute rock solid, no nonsense. They'd kick you up and down the park um, and shake, but the, what, after the game, they'd shake your hand afterwards. Um, and that's, the, I suppose, that was the difference in, in that that's what I see a little bit of difference in between the, the footballers like Alan um, and that kind of era compared to now is that um, people hold grudges a little bit more um, on a football pitch. But with Alan, it was a case of, I'll battle you now for the next 90 minutes but I'm going to shake your hand after it and it's a game of football and we'll walk off the pitch. And um, desperately sad news and my, my sincerest condolences to uh, to the Keeley family. Yeah, yeah. Desperate um, um, thoughts with, with all the Keeleys. Um, uh, really just awful news. Um, back on the pitch, Shamrock Rovers top of the table now, five points clear after Danny Mandroy's uh, late goal at Inchicore after Chris Forrester had opened the scoring early on. A first defeat of the season for St. Pat's Graham Burke with the equaliser for the um, for the hoops and another late goal for Rovers. Yeah, well, I remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when you were saying, oh, it's the sign of champions. And I was saying, yeah, well, is it good? Is it, is it, are they liking this? Is it, is it is it showing that they're at their full strength? And it probably isn't. They probably still have loads. They probably have a couple of gears to go up, Con, being totally honest. They've obviously played 10 games this season and they've scored five 85-plus-minute goals, um, two to draw and three to win. So they've got gained an eight, uh, gained an extra eight points from the 85th minute onwards in games, which is a phenomenal statistic. Um, Danny Mandroy, I said, I said to him, I said at the start that um, about, um, about 
his temperament and whether or not he would be a good fit for, for Shamrock Rovers, but he's been superb. Um, and what I've noticed more so than anything else is his work rate. Um, he works really, really hard. And he had big boots to fill, there's no doubt about it. But two injury time winners, four goals, um, plus his work, as I've talked about, his overall game. Um, I'm, I've been really, really impressed with him. And uh, yeah, Shamrock Rovers are in um, a very, very healthy position, um, both on, on and off the pitch, of course. Um, but with Pat's first defeat of the season, second time they've conceded late to Shamrock Rovers this season. Um, I, it's like I always, it's like the commentator's curse here. I mentioned Lee Desmond last week and about how he's eradicated all those mistakes. And it was just like so lax. Like he's like, he is a Rolls Royce defender. He, lo- he looks as if he can just breeze through games. Um, but he has this mistake in him, Con, and he's had it for the last number of years. Um, and he takes it. He takes the ball in his chest. But what I didn't like, he looked as if he was still jogging over to the ball to try and lift it over to Shane Griffin and left back, instead of just booting the ball. Do you know, for, like clear lines over the roof it's of the, the stands. It's the ninety-second yeah. minute. You didn't have a great first touch. Don't try and do anything. Like he was so. I I I can't understand it. And then obviously Danny Mandroyo, who's who's um, who's obviously I never I didn't think he was that quick because Lee Desmond is quick con. And um, was able to brush him off, hold him off. And I th- I'd say they were disappointed with the concession of the goal in the manner of that was conceded. Um, Jamie Lennon came in. He probably should have sl- uh, made the slight tackle rather than just stay on his feet. Um, and then Yaris probably would maybe disappointed that he didn't keep it out. But having said that, it was a wonderful um, a wonderful performance. They, they fully deserved it, I think, after the goal. They, they took over the game and they were lucky to go in. Pats were lucky at one all at the break. And... Um, yeah, who, who's by the way? You love Brian Carecon. So what? What side of the fence are you on here? Are you on Kerr's side of the fence or Burke's side of the fence? Do you know what? I <laughs> love the fact that Brian Kerr was wearing a St. Pat's scarf at the match. He always does. I actually really, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. And you know, he pins his colours to the master, whatever the the saying is. Um, and uh, you know, because there's no fans in the ground, if there's a little bit of to and fro between Graham uh, Burke and Brian Kerr. I think it just adds to the gaiety of the occasion. And it just, you know, you want a bit of edge for Dublin Derby. Um, I thought it was a funny moment, actually. And uh, not many people, you know, not many um, people would hush uh, Brian Kerr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think Brian Kerr will have too many nice things to say about Graham Burke in future, probably. Um, but so be it. But um, no, I thought it was, I thought it, the one thing I did notice is that uh, Brian is dying for the uh, hairdressers to reopen. Uh, <laughs> he's starting to look like one of those Spanish managers you see back in the 80s with the long <laughs> slip back here. Really cool. Um, speaking of really cool. It's like a Rovers goal against Dundalk at Oriel Park. Jordan Gibson, do you know what I... Tell me I'm wrong. I might be wrong. But I think there's more good football being played in the league at the moment than I can remember from loads of teams. Like, Sligo Rovers are playing some great football. Bohemians, that day against uh, Rovers at Talent, they played some magnificent football again. The other night against Harps, they scored a couple of great goals, played some wonderful football. Uh, we've seen, obviously, Shamrock Rovers have been playing some great football. St. Pat's, you know, really good passing. For, I, like, I remember going to League of Ireland matches as a kid and, and it was pretty much kick and rush. That, that was my memory, apart from maybe some of the, the odd really great teams at the time. But it just seems to me, across the board, there's an awful lot of teams playing an awful lot of really good football at the moment. Can I give you a reason for that, Con? 
Go ahead. No fan pressure on the touchline. There's no pressure on the sidelines. So people are trying things that otherwise would they'd uh, be get shouted at from the stands. Interesting. Yeah. That's just yeah. one. I hadn't thought about that. That's yeah. just one taking it. The other taking it is that the managers there there are are absolutely football football minded people like the likes of Stephen O'Donnell at Pats wants to get his team play. Uh, Liam Buckley um, at Sligo was always the always has that. Um, like the players in this league now can play football, and it's the development that that has this is kind of shown from the academy setup that when you have proper coaches, prop uh, coaching coaching young players that are going to develop into technically gifted footballers, this is what will happen. Um, but I'm still going to say that with fans not there, players, especially young players, have the opportunity to try things that they may be too afraid to do with fans on their back. Um, That's really interesting. I would never have thought of that. Yeah, but it, it, it kind of stands to reason. And and I mean, even teams like, say, Finn Harps, who traditionally you would have said were more of a put the ball in the corner and a long throw into the box sort of team, are playing some really nice football. I mean, the goal they scored up in Derry during the week was a peach, the winner, you know? I mean, they've, they've been playing some really nice stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But the, you see, that's the other thing as well. You, ha- you have the likes of Barry McNamee in that squad, in that team, that you don't want to bypass him from from back to front either. You need to get him on the ball. Um, but yeah, I, I I completely agree. It's it's there's a couple of reasons behind it, obviously, and and um, obviously with good good coaches at academy level bringing true players like look at Ross Tierney at Bowles, he's an absolutely superb player as well coming through. Um, that you have good coaches at academy level bringing through these players, um, and they're obviously going to uh, be technically better than what we've had previously in the years true to that coaching but i still can't away, take away from the fact that i do think um a lot of it is down to the fans not being there um because you can try that thing that maybe you might not do when you're when, when the fans are at the ground yeah better pitches now i suppose than there would have been yeah like I, I came into the league in 2005 and um yeah the, the grounds were always where you the the but the, the the pitches were always very good at that stage as well. So maybe pre to maybe going back a little bit further than that, um, in terms of the pitches. But um, yeah, it's an interesting. It, it is interesting though. Like the 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 quality in the pitches is certainly much better than what it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Definitely. Yeah, I I think a lot of people who don't go to League of Ireland matches who might maybe watch the live games on TV or you know watch the watch LOI or whatever can't but be impressed by some of the football some of the goals that we've seen even like every goal of the month competition this season is going to be really good certainly so far there's been fantastic goals I mean Jordan Gibson's goal the other night was fantastic Gary Buckley sent off obviously after 53 minutes so that's a huge three points for Sligo Rovers and does it bear out I mean two wins now from 10 games for Dundalk does that you were talking about how important the um, new manager is going to be there I mean how long do they want to hang around? I mean, we're 10 games in uh, now. Yeah, that's the question. Um, and interestingly, interestingly enough, David Healy took an interview there. The Linfield manager took an interview there during the week. And um, he was asked about the managerial jobs. There were strong rumours going around that he was going to be the man to replace um, Filippo Giovagnoli and uh, Shane Keegan, of course. But um, And he didn't confirm nor deny the, those rumours. So there was talk then that he, was, um, he has to wait until the end of the season in Linfield to... Obviously, they're in seasons ending at the end of May. Does he want to wait that long? Is, is that is is David Healy going to be the man to, to take over the role? Obviously, he's, he'd have a close relationship with Jim Jilton. Um, David Healy's done very, very well at Linfield, in fairness. Won a lot of things up there. 
Um, Linfield are going full time next season, so it could be the it could be the, the right fit for David Healy. But whether or not he that he is the man, but he certainly didn't confirm nor deny the rumors when when it was in, when he was asked by a reporter there during the week whether or not he wanted whether, whether he was going to take the Dundalk job. He said he want I want to focus on Linfield, and after that we'll see where what what, what happens. So it's, it was a very interesting interview, Con, because um, like, if you weren't, if you were committed to Linfield, you were like, you'd strongly put out there, no, I, I don't want the job, I'm not interested in the job, but he didn't. So it was very interesting. Be interesting as well to see how the Dundalk fans would take to him if he did get the job, given, you know, if you if you had said to me a few years ago, a Linfield manager is going to come in as boss at Dundalk, uh I'm not sure I would have seen that happening, but uh, who we're knows? We live in a new world. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I hope you're that. right. I hope Look, you're no, right. You're, yeah. you mentioned Gibson uh, scoring the goal, and I kind of had a goal at him last week over over the equaliser for Pats when um, he when Berma lost him for the goal. Um, but it was an absolutely fantastic trade, a wonderful game. Um, he he likes to come inside a little bit. I think that he playing in that position really really suited him. And um, what I liked about his goal con is that he took it early. He he actually said after the game that he should have brought it brought it in further to try and score, but he caught the comp- keeper completely unawares. He's not able to get set, and sometimes it's as a striker or as a midfielder or whatever by hitting the ball when a keeper's not expecting it, you have a better chance of sco- uh, scoring from there than you are when running in when the keeper has a has a knows a bit in what's going on. When you hit it so early like that, the keeper is completely caught unawares, and it was a f- fantastic strike. And look, they just Sligo what, for it's their first win in four games. Obviously, they beat Bowes away, um, but then they lost to Derry at home. Terrible result. They drew with Drogs away. <sighs> you'd, you'd fancy them to win that one, and then they drew a Pats. Probably should have won that one. Have haven't been one nil up for so long, and then um, they beat Dundalk away. So it's I remember with with Liam as well. I don't know if it's a trait as. I don't know what it is, but we always seem to do well against the good teams when we were flying high in the league. And then the smaller teams or the lesser teams that weren't competing at the top, we'd struggle against. And that's boding well. That's It's like that at the moment. Like They should be beating Derry at home. Obviously, didn't even have a shot and target in that game. And then they're drawing drugs away. And then their other three games this in, in this month have been absolutely fantastic. So um, they need to be consistent every game. Um, Bohemians Ali Coot uh, mentioned his goal the first one especially I think was a fantastic goal against Finn Harps and for Bose that's the third win of the season now a very comfortable 4-0 win against her. are the wheels coming off a little bit for Harps I mean they're still fourth in the table but that's a worrying trend they're on uh, I don't know if you can say that after beating Derry up at the brand new up in the Ryan McBride Stadium last week in the manner that they did first time yeah, they've won that's true first yeah. time they won up there for, for, for ever in, in, in the league so it was I wouldn't say that. I think Bowes, like it wasn't their splendid, most splendid performance um, by all means by, by Bowes. But um, I think, I'm, I wouldn't say the wheels are coming off. I just think that it, they, they they didn't turn up on the day. They were obviously 3-0 um, down at the break, but Harps had two wonderful chances in the second half to come back into it. Um, through Adam Foley and, and Barry McNamee, James Talbot pulled off a, a wonderful save. Um but yeah, I, I, I hope now this is both both time to push on and push on a little bit. They have some really, really talented footballers in that side that just needed time to gel. I still do think though, even though they scored the four goals, that um they will struggle to score uh, to score. Um it's funny saying that when they win four 0 But um like Ali Coote's a midfielder, Limbo um Keith Buckley's a midfielder, um Ross Tierney's an attack midfielder, like we still don't have our striker scoring goals um from open play. So 
that that's the only worry that I'd have with Bohemians. But hopefully they'll kick on. And with Harps, look, they're going to pick up results like this. There's no doubt about it. They can't um, keep going the way they're doing, the way they play. Um, like press, press, press. Um, put trying to put teams on the back foot. You're gonna you're gonna have defeats like this as well. And um, unfortunately, it happened uh, on Saturday. And just before we leave the Prem then, Derry won, Longford won, got the weekend uh, underway. James Akintunde in the 93rd minute after Rob Manley had scored for uh, Longford. I suppose going up there, Longford would have taken a point probably. And uh, when you're 1-0 down on 92 minutes, uh, you take a point as well, Akintunde. Yeah, I suppose Longford were, were going up there and um, they probably, as I said, yeah, they would have settled for a point, I think. Um, and then at half time, they certainly would have settled for a point because Derry were in complete control, I felt. Um Thought Will Patching was an absolute was absolutely superb. Akintunde held the line very very well defensively. They looked strong. Having flipped that, thought Longford uh, defensively were very very compact, very very well organised. Um, but Derry were the only team looking to to make a breakthrough. And then obviously Rob Manley completely against the run of play. Um, I think Gartside anticipated the ball bouncing up a little bit, and he was just going to try and catch it. But Manley got there before him, and it was a simple finish. It was probably poor goalkeeping on on Gartside's um part. Um, but it shows great character, like like we've talked about Shamrock Rovers' character already, but the, but Derry's as well. Um, as I said, they could have easily just rolled over and and accepted defeat, but they didn't. And Nakan Tunde two goals in a week, um, especially after the defeat to Finn Harps the other the other night, uh, cons conceding so late to kind of flip it again and and get that goal in the ninety third minute was great, but they really should have won the game. Well, look, we'll look ahead to the uh, fixtures coming up. We'll review the First Division and the Women's National League a bit uh, later on in this uh, episode as well. But let's hear now from uh, Jamie McGrath, who, as I was saying at the start, has scored 16 goals already this season for St. Mirren. He's having a wonderful time since his move from uh, Dundalk. And myself and Conan had a chat with uh, Jamie just a bit bit earlier, just a bit before this. So let's hear from Jamie now. So, Jamie, 119th minute of a quarterfinal. Scottish Cup game, you get a penalty, you're 3-2 down in extra time and you're the man to take it. What has gone through your mind? Yeah, first of all, I was a bit shocked. I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, lucky enough, the ref pointed to the spot. So, um, yeah, when, when I got over the shock of the ref giving the penalty in the first place, uh, yeah, I just had to calm myself down. Um, I didn't actually even know what, what minute was on the clock, but I knew there was only a minute or two left. So, um, yeah, it was such an up and down game went behind a good few times so uh, to we've been pushing hard in that last last 15 to get the get the equaliser so um yeah I didn't really think too much into it um I've scored quite a few this season so um I was just thinking it's just another one um if you miss you miss but um I didn't really have any negative uh, thoughts in my mind so um just stepped up and lucky enough went in and um we probably should have nicked at the end um, we had a great chance Joe Shockley had a good header great save from Colin Doyle um, to keep keep the game 3-3 three, three. but yeah to bring it into to penos it was it was, a, it was so much and then obviously then you you took the first penalty and you went on to, to to win the shootout this week must be great for you personally but obviously for St Mirren as a football club going to play St Johnston in a cup semi-final this Sunday at Hamden must be a what you what you signed for St. Marin for these type of day, days. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, you can't beat cup football. Um, you know yourself, like it's it's a one off one off competition, league league form out the window. So um you never know the draw can be kind to you and you never know where you could end up. So 
Um, we've shown that we've, we can go far in the previous cup. We got to a cup semi and we, we probably let ourselves down on the day against Livy. Um, yeah, we, we didn't come out the right side of that. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's a massive week building up. Um, it's a shame that there's not fans going to be at Hamden. Um, you get that extra buzz around cup week and um, especially when, when you're playing in such a nice stadium and such a big tie, you get that buzz in the warm-up. Um, when, when the crowds start entering so it's a shame that that can't happen this year but um, no really really looking forward to it um, yeah like I said we didn't probably do ourselves justice in the first semi so um, we have to make that right on Sunday and um, yeah it's going to be a very difficult game um, St. Johnson are probably on the informed teams at the minute um, obviously they're just after knocking Rangers out so they'll probably think that their name is on the cup so um, we're going to have to rock up Sunday and put in a very good performance to, if, if we want to get into the final. Can I bring you back to the quarterfinal again just for a second, Jamie, because you score that penalty in the 119th minute. So it's virtually the last minute of, of extra time, even though you did have that chance afterwards. Then the penalty shootout starts and you step up to take your penalty. And given that it was so close in terms of time to the previous penalty that you'd just taken, in the back of your mind, are you sometimes like, well, were you thinking... I'm going to put the ball down the same side. There's an awful lot of double bluff with the goalkeeper, I presume, in that situation. Yeah, a bit of verbals as well. <laughs> Was there? Yeah. Well, you'd know Colin fairly well, I suppose. Yeah. To be fair to him, you have to do your best to put the opposition player off. So, um, nah, it's all mind games. Um, you have to be strong and just stick to your technique. And um, yeah, lucky enough, when the second went in. But yeah, you can't have that, especially so soon after the first one, you can be thinking keeper might think and go in here or that but you just have to focus on yourself and don't second guess yourself and just try and try and back yourself and just try and put the ball in the net as best you can any way possible <laughs> and what kind of verbals are we talking here like is he saying to you i'm going to my right or is he saying you're rubbish or what kind like what stuff would he be saying in that situation uh i remember the first one i knew he was uh he was saying, I see you go to your right a lot. You're going to your right. You're going to your right. So, um, yeah, as I stepped up, I stuck it left. But I was, <laughs> it wasn't due to anything. I said that, but, um, yeah, then on the set, though, and he was, he was <laughs> saying, you're not going to go right again, are you? So um, I went right. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, you just have to back yourself and um, try not let that affect you. I've just been looking at your goal-scoring stats. Um, you scored 14 goals in, in, in Irish football, League of Ireland, uh, obviously from when you made your debut in the Lancer Senior Cup final for Pats. But already in your own Scotland, just over a year, and you've scored 16 goals. So you've scored more goals in, in nearly a year in Scotland than you have in four or five years playing at the top level in, in this country. So why do you think that is? Don't just say penalties, Jamie. And he's a big factor. <laughs> it does help. It does help, though. Um, no, but it's always been, it's not been a secret that I've always wanted to add more goals, um, especially playing as an attacking midfielder. You get judged on your your goals and your assists, no matter how well you play. At the end of the day, it comes down to that. Um, you can look well on the ball and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's been something that I've been working on, just trying to not just look for that pass, try to get into better areas to try and give myself a a better chance to score um, you can work on finishing all day that's what I've been doing but if you're not actually going to shoot or you're not going to get into the right up, uh, position to take it it may as well be pointless so I've been doing a lot of probably self-analysis and I've been looking at my video clips how can I do better um, I've been working with a few people on that aspect as well so um, 
yeah, there's been a lot of hours going on off the pitch to try and just try and get myself into better positions, better opportunities. And like you said, penos they, they they do help, but I find myself in general playing. I'm getting more strikes away. I'm getting more getting more opportunities, which is which is something that I, I had to work on. So I'm um, lucky enough it's it's paying off. Tell us more about the, the the stuff that you do off the pitch there, Jamie. About video analysis and and how do you kind of see yourself getting into better areas on a pitch? Because I know when when I'm playing, I sometimes forget what the videos that I may have watched in in, in analysis. How do you transform that and put it onto the pitch and put it into into practice? Well, since just before Christmas, I've started working um, with a with a, a lad based in Cork, uh, Kevin O'Grady. Um, he reached out to me and uh, we kind of got in touch and um, yeah, we kind of do a session a week um, just focusing on my game um, just one hour a week um, possibly two sessions a week if it's a big game or that coming up then yeah, I found that to be brilliant um, it's been really beneficial to me it's just a second opinion really knowledgeable um, really help, helps me out on that side of things what could I have done better here where could I maybe run this way could I run that way to open up pitch um, just little things like that that you probably wouldn't see yourself looking back looking back through clips so um yeah it's just a different voice um like i said he really knows his stuff um it's probably a different voice to my dad ringing me after every match saying why didn't you shoot here why didn't you do there <laughs> like that. so um no it's i found it personally to be very beneficial and probably since christmas is when i started um probably hitting that run of form so i owe a lot to him it's probably too late now, but it would have been a good idea, maybe Conan, for you to get in touch with Kevin, given your uh, lack of goals recently. <laughs> Stop! I scored enough, Con. Sure, I taught Jamie how to take a panel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a good job on that. Um, in terms of the move to St. Mirren when you made it, um, Jamie, was it an, an absolute no-brainer? Given that you were, you know, leading a very successful team. You were enjoying European football and all that, but was it an, an inevitable step for you to take? Yeah, I think the I always wanted to give uh, overseas football a try, um, whether it be Scotland or England or wherever. Um, yeah, I, I just felt it was a perfect time to move on. I was coming out of the end of the contract with, with Dundalk and um, we are just after back winning four out of five trophies. There was to be one, so... Um, I thought that it'd be a great opportunity to try something new. Um, and yeah, as my as I was kind of out of contract, um, there was a few bits and pieces. Um, but until there's an actual offer on the table, you have to, like, it's all hearsay or that. So, um, so yeah, I think at the time there was a few offers on the table. But from speaking to the gaffer, um, yeah, he just kind of, he just really sold it to me. Um, he told me Jim Goodwin. Jim Goodwin, yeah. Um, obviously a Waterford man himself. He came through Celtic mm-hmm. and um yeah, he, he just knew where I was coming from. Um he knows the league inside out and uh obviously he's watched me a good few times at Dundalk and he just said it'd be a perfect place for you to come over and um he said hopefully use it as a stepping stone onto a greater team. So um no, I was I was so happy to come to the club. I got a tour when I first came over and before I signed and uh, the gaffer showed me around and and stuff and the training ground was brilliant as well so um no i ticked all the boxes uh the big thing was just to continue on playing regu- regularly i didn't want to go and sit on the bench and waste a few years in my career so um yeah thankfully so far anyway it's paid off um and uh yeah like i said we can finish the season hopefully on a 
on the front foot with maybe a piece of silverware. Is it true that Sean McLaughlin, um, obviously he's with Hull now, he advised yourself and Conor McCarthy not to take a flat in the city centre and he's moved in the suburbs. Is that a true story or am I making that up? <laughs> uh, no, your sources are correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose St. Mary's not located directly in the city centre um, of Glasgow. It's in a, in a town outside of called Paisley, um, big town. So um, yeah, it's the area he advised us to live in was just off about 10 minutes from the city centre, 10 minutes from training, 10 minutes from the airport, um, right beside a big shopping centre with a lot to do. Um, obviously, pre-COVID that was, but um, no, it's really nice, really nice area that you recommended. And um, yeah, lucky enough, me and him got two apartments in here as soon as we kind of came over. So um, yeah, we've only, we only live about five minute walk from each other. So um, yeah, there's a good few boys living here as well. Um, Dylan Connolly's now a <laughs> a member of the crew as well so he's he's living in beside us as well so um, no it's nice to have um, kind of the local lads around you as well if ever you need that There is a good Irish contingent there I mean you mentioned Dylan who obviously you'd know well from your time there but like Joe you mentioned as well Joe Shock and see Jake Doyle uh, Hayes is there as well Conor McCarthy who people would remember from his days with uh, Cork so between the boss and you fellas, there's a really strong Irish contingent at St. Mirren now. Yeah, there is. There's quite a few of us now. And um, yeah, I think it does help, um, especially when I first moved over, um, to have someone like Connor. I didn't really know him off the field too well, but um, I had a good few battles with him in the league. And um, I kind of reached out to him kind of as we signed and just same day. And yeah, I think we were. We stayed in the hot, uh, hotel for the first two, three weeks together, and that was kind of a great way to get to know someone um, really well off the pitch. So, yeah, kind of since then we've been very close, and obviously Dylan, Dylan Connolly coming over, I know him uh, very well from from back home and winning a few uh, cups with Dylan. Um, he's a mead man as well, which helps as well. A good, good mead man. So, um, yeah, it was. It was great when Dylan signed um, another, another Irishman to the, to the, to the crew. But um, no, I think it's a great group regardless of if there was one or five Irishmen in it. Um, the, the, the English and Scottish boys and a few others have been, have been amazing and made me feel at home straight away. And um, yeah, I know big time Charlies are that, which, which always helps when you come into a group address to, into a dressing room. So um, no, it was, it was, it was really easy to get, get settled in. You've obviously mentioned uh, your gaffer Jim Jim Goodwin, and obviously he comes from good good stock, being a good uh, good proud Irishman himself. Um, can you explain the importance of I suppose of a manager having so much faith in a player? Obviously, he's so much faith in you. Um, yeah, I think it is. Personally, it's it's a big it's a big thing. Um, kind of found out when I first moved up to senior football with Liam Buckley. You know yourself, Cole, how good he was with with me. Um, he used to keep me back after training and put his arm around me and teach me through what he used to do and just to know that the manager wants the best for you he, he cares about you he wants he wants you to do well and he's taking time to look after you and show you how to do things it's, it is a great help on the pitch and then it just fills you with confidence yeah especially Liam he was, he was brilliant with me when I was coming up um, playing me in that kind of nine role um, teach me how he used to do things and I'm in <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
yeah, it, it is. It's massive fair play. Um, and I've been lucky enough so far to be, to dealt with some great managers. Obviously, Stephen Kenny was the exact same. He signed me as a 20-year-old into a very successful team. and He probably gave me um, runs in the team where I might not have been on peak form, but he, he stayed true to me. And lucky enough, kind of hit form in 2018. And I kind of repaid him that way, where he, where he was probably loyal to me in 2017 when I was kind of just finding my feet. So, um, no, I think I think it is massive for a player, and obviously coming here uh, to have that, to have that, knowing that the gaffer wants you to succeed, he's, he's, he 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 um, he recognises you as a quality player. It's, it's nice to hear, and it's probably been the same here. I've probably when I first kind of not coming off the back for priest or an off season so um he probably was loyal to me at maybe I didn't have my best game at the weekend and he'd play me midweek and that so um I think it does it does definitely help um and yeah like I said um it is it, it definitely helps do you know what I was interested in? you said um Jim kind of sold St. Mirren to you when you went over there and showed you around and and <clears throat> said he'd have faith in you and you said that, you know, he felt that you could use it as a stepping stone. Now, I was reading the BBC website last week and there was a quote from Jim uh, saying that it would take a huge sum of money for us to part with Jamie McGrath. Uh, <laughs> so he's digging his heels in now saying he's going nowhere. Um, but obviously your eye-catching performances this season have caught the eyes of other clubs. So that must be very satisfying for you to know that you have flourished there. Yeah, he'll tell me different on the pitch. <laughs> um, but no, it's obviously nice to hear. Um, it's nice to hear when, when the gaffer's saying them things in the, in the media, but you can't really get too carried away. You just have to just have to keep doing what you're doing. And um, yeah, like I said, I just want to want to try and end this year on a positive note if we can. Um, we've had a good few setbacks this season. Um, it's obviously been a brilliant year for the club, um, pushing to get into the top six, something the club has never done. But yeah, the disappointment of um obviously coach semi on the final lay of top six um on goal difference from a last minute goal conceded. So yeah, although it's been a brilliant season and we've bet Rangers and Celtic, we want to try and have something to show at the end of it. So um yeah, if we if we can, it'll be an amazing end to the year. And what what has I know the fans haven't been there, Jamie, so it's it's kind of hard for you to I don't know, to get the full effect of playing at grounds such as Ibrox and Celtic Park, but what has it been like to to, to run out on, and, and play on that surface and that stadium? Yeah, it's always, it's probably a big lure coming to this league as well is to play in days like that. Um, I didn't foresee a big COVID pandemic breaking out after playing them in empty stands, but um, now I was lucky enough to experience um, I, was, I was in the stand at Ibrox I just got injured in one of my first games here when I was a packed house and I think a month later we played in Celtic Park when it was when it was rammed so um, I was lucky enough to play in Celtic Park when it was when it was uh, jammed so um, mm. that's probably one of the days I'll never forget um, my mates came over they flew over that weekend and uh, my family couldn't get over for some reason that weekend, but um, no, it was it was amazing. Um, yeah, certainly a day I won't forget. And um, yeah, you grow up watching watching the likes of Celtic Rangers on TV, and um, it is it is it was, it was a good day personally to run out there. And probably didn't get the, the result we we deserved. We lost five 0 <laughs> but uh, 
came back a year later and got revenge. So um, it, was, it was obviously nice to nice to win there. So um, certainly one I'll never forget. You mentioned the COVID situation there. Um, a couple of your matches were called off earlier on in the season due to the COVID situation. It, it, how bad was it at the club? Yeah, I think, I um, can't even remember when it was now. Um, I came down. Um, I, I was convinced I didn't have it. Um, just one of those people where I was like too stubborn to, to think I had it. I just thought I'd never get it. I'd never get it. Um, but yeah, I think one of the lads, his mother, one of the... I think she picked it up originally and then obviously he was in the house and he came into training then and then kind of started coming out one by one. Um, we get tested once a week. But at the time, I think we're getting tested twice a week. So we get we get tested on a Monday and Wednesday. So I think the first positive was on the Wednesday. Um, and then we were like, oh, no. Because um, obviously we're all sharing the same dressing room, same pitch. And we found out that one had it. It was only a matter of time before another one picked it up. So I think by the time the next test came around on the next following Monday, I think, Guts of 10, 11 of us <laughs> had it, but I kind of knew from the weekend that I had it. Um, yeah, I wasn't feeling great at all. And just thought it was maybe a, a flu I picked up or that. I didn't want to tell myself the inevitable, but um, yeah, it was. It wasn't pleasant now. It wasn't, it wasn't anything major, but for about three, four days, um, yeah, it did, it did shake you. So the worst part probably was just the two weeks isolation. That was the worst part, just being in your apartment. So, um, that was probably the worst part of it now, but uh, thankfully now we all came out the other side of it and um, we started putting a run of form together after it. So, um, no, it was, it was mad. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you should say that because um, I do a lot of the Portuguese uh, league and it's a similar situation occurred with Benfica. And in the five or six weeks after the outbreak, their results were terrible. Um, and it basically knocked them out of the title race so it, it can have that effect and um you know it's, i suppose everybody is maybe just not quite at a hundred percent on the pitch if you've been in isolation for two weeks and what have you yeah i think our first game back um i can't even remember i think it could have been hibs um, hibs at home and yeah if there's protocols at the we had to take before coming back to training. We had to train for like 10 minutes at a time. Then the following day, it'd have to be 15, the following day, 20. So um, it did take us a while to get back into it. Um, and I, f- I found my first game back, especially, it was, it was very, very difficult. Um, the gaffer shouted on to me after about 16 minutes, which he'd normally, normally never do. He'd be like, uh, you look bollocks. Like, <laughs> 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 and like normally, I, I, I'd have... Conan hears that every week, by the way. <laughs> after two minutes <laughs> so um, yeah you shared that enemy obviously it was, I was uh, struggling a bit and then uh, yeah I had to put my hand up and just say yeah gaffer I'm struggling here I can't get through it and it just felt lethargic I couldn't get runs back I couldn't couldn't track my mind my concentration was kind of gone like I was I was I was shook to be honest and um, yeah that was kind of Probably the only match where I felt it was my first game back. I was like, yeah, this this really has knocked me in. I know it can affect uh, different players differently. So others might take longer to come back. Others might not feel any effects. But um, 
yeah, especially that first game, I won't forget. <laughs> Come 60, 65 minutes, it was on my feet. I suppose now it's time, I think it's time now we, we look back over a little bit over your career in Ireland. And um, I was only saying to Con earlier on that you have won absolutely everything there is to win in, in the domestic game over here, and you won it in five seasons. Um, obviously, in your debut, you won the Leinster Senior Cup down in Longford, and then right up to where <coughs> the United the Union Champions Cup in 2019 as well, along with the President's Cup and everything in between. What was the standout moment for you, I suppose, during that spell? Um, I think the 2018 season um, with Dundalk, I think. The double. The double, yeah. Winning my first league title. Um, and then winning the cup was just uh, something I'll never forget. Um, kind of Patrick McElhenney just left the year, but just the year of 2018. So um, kind of big responsibility it wasn't put on me but it was a big responsibility to kind of fill his shoes so um yeah I think that was kind of my best season back home um I probably haven't I probably didn't score at all but uh performance wise I think that was probably my best year um back home and yeah I don't know it was a weird year we just felt like we could beat anyone by any score uh, we were just filled with confidence you're kind of going into game and like not how many can we get here but the, the thought of losing wasn't there we were just so used to winning 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 um, I think we had a rocky start but after that I think we just hit hit form and obviously we didn't do as well in Europe as we'd like we got through the first round and um, I'll never forget the game out in Cyprus it was the probably the worst day of my life going out there it was the hottest day I'll never forget um, just chasing the ball around for it for 90 minutes I won't forget it but um, no at the end of the year winning your first league title um, taking it back off Cork your biggest rivals at the time and obviously beating Cork in the cup final as well um, it was it was amazing and then I'll never forget the celebrations afterwards there was um, a stage put up in the square in Dundalk and um, yeah all my family came up and just to see everybody out supporting the team it was it was amazing um, it was a proper proper celebration it's not often I suppose that you hear a creative midfielder um, talking about a goalkeeper as having one of their biggest influences on their career I think you know who I'm talking about here in uh, Gary Rogers yeah <laughs> top man Gary um, yeah. Why did he have why did he have such an impact on, on, on yourself? I think growing up in the local area, um he, he was kind of the man, like he was he was Mr. League of Ireland, he's played League of Ireland. Not many from around where I'm from have done that. And obviously growing up as a as a lover of football, you you kind of look up to him. I didn't know him until I turned professional and just he was always there giving out the trophies at, at the at the awards and um, someone you looked up to just because he was doing so well and he's from the local area. He was a local local hero. So um, when I finally got to to meet him and, and stuff like that, it was um, wasn't a letdown. Anyway, he was he was been brilliant to me ever since the sign with Dundalk. I think from the first day he offered to bring me to and from training. He seen that I didn't drive, so that took a huge weight off my parents and um, stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, he's been top man 
bringing me up for extra gym sessions if I need it. Um, obviously, he's been there, done that. He's seen everything. Um, he's been in my ear for that first year in the knock, constantly just giving me advice, how you should do things, how you, could, how you should approach matches, just different little tips and that you'd only pick up from from someone you respect and someone so uh, that has kind of done it all in the league. So um, I was very lucky to have him and, and uh, yeah, he made me settle in at the knock a lot easier. And um, yeah, he's been he's he still is brilliant to me for to this day. He still texts me and um, he's keeping an eye as well. So it's he is he's a he's a family friend now. Um, I know all his children very well and his his wife. And yeah, he's he's, he's top man. Now that you uh, you obviously had a, a, I remember playing for you playing for Pats. And then you signed for Dundalk, and then we were up in Oriel Park, and we just we had we hadn't seen each other in about three or four months, and the change in you physically from that time that you had played with Pat's through preseason with Dundalk, and then when I saw you up at Oriel, was phenomenal, like a different person physically. Yeah. How much of a difference was it in terms of the training at Pat's than when you signed for Dundalk? Um, yeah, I suppose. Coming to the end of Pats, um, I was turning what twenty, and I probably didn't physically be uh, fully grown yet. And yeah, I was probably naturally strong, like growing up. Um, I, you know yourself, Co. I didn't used to. I wasn't in the gym. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That <laughs> yeah, so um, it was a real eye opener when I uh, when I when I moved to the knock. Um, obviously, they were kind of renowned for being the fittest and strongest in the league at the time and that was something I wanted to to do myself so I remember first pre-season um, I went in and uh, yeah I was just looking around the change room and I was like what am I doing here like I'm, I'm miles off it here um, looking around Garrett's and oh, half the boys there is like is in fairness, you're still miles off guards. <laughs> oh, I don't think anyone will ever be near the guards. But, uh, <laughs> I was just looking around the change room and I was just like, the best. Um, I have to get to this level. And I think Stephen, Stephen Kenny at the time, he was hard on my case when I first signed. Um, making sure on my days off, I go up to DCU to, to Greenburn and do one-on-one sessions with him. So yeah, I was in the gym Monday and Tuesday with the team and then uh, Wednesdays I go up to Graham and Graham would sort me out he'd do brilliant sessions with me and um, tell me what to be eating eat the right things and just kind of completely turn my turn my lifestyle around and yeah that was probably the, the main benefit um, early on was just physically just getting getting better um, and yeah kind of never looked back since then um, I've kind of kept that schedule going ever since so I owe a lot to it and it is important in this day and age that you're strong and, and fit so um, lucky enough I, I bought into it probably before I was too Before you came on uh, Jamie I was talking to Conan and I was saying just watching the videos of your games in Scotland I felt that even since you'd moved to Scotland you've you've developed in, physically like you look really strong now you know the way sometimes when a league of ireland team plays in europe and they come up against a european team where everybody looks massive in the other team you've you, you seem to have 
taken an, an even another step physically since you've gone over there? I think the secret could be the small jersey gun, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I've just I've kept doing what I've been doing. Um, nothing's really changed too much. Keep keep trying to do gym as best I can after every session. Um, we have a nice schedule going here. Um, obviously, over here, you get an extra day training, which is something that I had to get used to because back home, you play Friday nights. and Yeah. You get an extra day, so your week is slightly different. But um, yeah, overall, I haven't really changed much. Um, um, yeah, it's probably just you know the small jersey, like I said. Mm. Do you watch what you eat? I mean, obviously you watch what you eat, but like, is there anything you're not allowed, or do they do they monitor that kind of stuff over there? Either just be body fats taken, um, maybe once a month, um, right? But no, it's up to yourself. Um, obviously, you're recommended, and you're given all the plans you want. But at the end of the day, the club can't feed, like come home and feed you yourself. So um, you do. have yourself off the pitch um, you've managed to avoid the deep fried Mars bar over there have you yeah, that's what my mates keep on about to me um, have I tried it but I'm going <laughs> to wait like, come over we can try it <laughs> but, um, now one of the big things over here is a deep fried pizza which, uh, oh. which yeah that's uh, one for the list as well so um, I think come the off season I'll have to, I'll have to taste the local cuisine you've mentioned a few times Stephen Kenny through this interview, Jamie. Um, I'm sure the ambition now, obviously, um, would be to get into his plans for for the upcoming uh, games. Yeah, to be honest, Cole, I haven't even thought about it. Um, Come like on. I said, you might, I'm sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but you don't tell me you haven't thought about that. It's serious. Um, Obviously, like you, you see things online and stuff like that. It's just it's just people talking or that. But you can't get you can't get carried away if you surf in your mind off uh, your game at the minute. Your game will suffer as a result. So I've learned that from growing up. When you hear like there's teams coming to look at you or that, you always end up having a, a shocker. So um, it's kind of true experience. You learn not to just not to listen and uh, try and keep what you're doing um, if there's talk I'll, I'll well and good just try to keep doing what you're doing and see what happens but not to be honest I haven't even thought about it um, obviously it'd be amazing now but um, no it's something that, that like, I just don't think about well can I ask you a question then if you haven't thought about it in, in, um, in much um, would you be looking at those fixtures during the summer and saying I won't book my summer holidays during the times that those games are going to happen no, lucky enough, we can't go anywhere at the minute. Well, that's <laughs> just, oh, very yes, diplomatic Jamie. answer. Well done. Well done. <laughs> oh, he's caught you out um, there, yeah. can't. <laughs> no, it's, um, but what would it mean? What would it mean uh, to you, Jamie? I suppose if you if you got called up, what would it mean to you? Uh, it'd obviously be amazing. Uh, club. Um, been going to the matches with, with my dad ever since I was young. So, um, yeah, I suppose when you're growing up, like they're, they're absolute idols, like. You never think you'll ever get near them. Like they're just heroes. Like you'll never get near that. So to be kind of even talked about in, in amongst it is it is amazing. I'm not gonna lie, because um, it was probably something that I never thought I'd see myself doing. But um, it is the dream for every player to <clears throat> to try and try and get on that green jersey. And lucky enough, I've done that at underage level, probably later than than most. But I still got to do it and to do it at 19s and 21s. It was it was great. And to wear that green jersey, it was amazing. So. 
um, if I ever do get the chance to to get to get in a squad or that, it would be it would honestly be amazing. But um, there's a lot of hard work to 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 do until I, I do that. So um, the squad is obviously full of quality and Premier League players. So um, not to be talked to be mentioned amongst it is it is it is brilliant. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you as well was. Um, well, there was two things, playing in Scotland too, and, and you're probably asked this a lot, to try and compare the standard there at the top level in Scotland versus the top level here. Um, and also, um, just in terms of the League of Ireland now, do you manage to keep in touch with you know what's happening in the league and you know former teammates and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it's a hard one to, to compare. Um, I don't know. Um, I think it's just difficult for me because I've been used to kind of winning, being at the top end of the table, um, to go into a team that's um, on the table. When I first came over, we were strong, and yeah, to have that completely flipped on the other on the other hand, you're not used to conceding that first goal or um, or that. It's kind of a shock. Certainly back home when we conceded the first goal, you're like, okay, we have to get going here. Um, So that was something I had to deal with coming over here. And no, I think, I think I can only speak for the dog team. And I think the dog team would deal in this league. Um, obviously, Celtic and Rangers are, are probably ahead by a good bit, but obviously their budget allows them to do that. But um, certainly Rangers this season have been phenomenal. Um, I think we've been only one of the teams to beat them this year. So. I think their their record in Europe has been amazing as well. They've got very far unbeaten, mm. and then obviously they went out late on. But I think Rangers could do well in the Premier League, and I think Stephen Jerry came out during the week and said that himself. So um, he knows better than anyone like the levels um, of the Premier League. So I think it does contrast obviously throughout the league. Um, so um, yeah, I think what I can say is that the team, the Dundalk team I was in, would do well in this league. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of keeping up with the, the league, um, I'm subscribed to that Watch LOI and it's brilliant. So um, Monday there, I was tuned into to the games and, and Friday as well. So it's I do keep a close eye on it. I watch most of the games. Um, it's great to see St. Pat's doing so well and obviously Stevie O'Donnell. Um, it's great to see them back to where they belong near the top of the league and hopefully they can continue doing that. Um, the club deserves to be there. And, and on the other side, it's... It's disappointing to see Dundalk in the form that they're in at the minute, but um, hopefully they can they can turn it around and they've uh, they've a squad well capable of doing that. So hopefully the draw at the Longford now can can be the start of of uh, their uh, their results starting to change. Well, listen, Jamie, uh, it's been great talking to you. Um, great to see you looking so well and um, continued success. They're the very best of luck on on Sunday. Uh, Hope it goes really well for you. It'd be great to get to a cup final. Um, so we'll keep the fingers crossed for you. And thanks a million for uh, talking to us today. Thanks a million, Con. Thanks, Conan. Thanks for having me on. Well, by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably know whether Jamie is into a Scottish Cup final, which hopefully he will be. We'll keep the fingers crossed from as we record at the moment. Uh, it's before that uh, semi-final. But uh, he's a great fella and uh, we wish him continued success in Scotland. 
or England or wherever it might be. But uh, thanks a million to Jamie McGrath for talking to us here on LOI Arena. Uh, by the way, if you want to get in touch with us, as ever, LOI at punditarena.com is the email. And if you hashtag LOI Arena on Twitter, uh, you, we'll we'll see it. Um, and also, of course, at LOI underscore arena is the uh, Twitter handle. Now, in the um, first division this weekend, uh, Conan Cork City, 5-0 winners against Wexford FC. Shelburne winning a really big one at Talca Park, 1-0. Ryan Brennan's goal against Athlone Town, a second defeat in a row for Athlone. Galway United, 1. Bray Wanderers, 2. Gary Shaw with a late, late winner for Bray there. UCD came back from trailing 2-0 against Treaty United to win 3-2 and now top the table on goal difference from Shelburne and Cabin Tealy, a late goal for them against Cove Ramblers. Mitchell Byrne on 87 minutes uh, earning the points for Cabo there. The UCD, I mean, when I saw that they were 2-0 down to Treaty United, I was A, I was very surprised and B, I was very surprised when they came back to win 3-2. I mean, not oh, yeah. surprised because, well, I'll put it to you this way. When they were 2-0 down, I didn't see them winning 3-2. No, I did think that they probably would come back given their form so far this season. But, I mean, Jesus, they turned it around really quickly. Yeah, I was... Um, it's mad because I saw, saw them getting beaten 1-0. And I said, oh, they'll come back from that. I've, I've no doubt. And then when they went 2-0 down, I was like, Jesus, if I was a betting man, um, I, I would have gone for a, a UCD win. Um, and it's not because Treaty are a poor side. We all know that they aren't um, very, very well organised. They've had a wonderful start to the season. It's that UCD score goals. Um, and that's what they've done all season. They've scored four goals away at Cove, six away at Wexford, um, uh, two at home to Athlone. See, they score goals where, uh, every every single week. So I had no doubt that they were going to score a couple. So, um, and yeah, it was a, uh, and it's funny that we're talking about UCD scoring three goals and Colin Whelan or Liam Kerrigan aren't on the score sheet. Didn't score, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's great to see like Derek Hain, Sean Brennan and Harvey O'Brien getting on the score sheet for them, to, giving the lads a little break from the pressures of trying to get to get the goals. But I suppose we can't um, not talk about Kieran Hanlon's goal. Um, oh, wonderful, wonderful finish. Yeah, yeah, the lob, yeah. Really, really good. Um, really instinctive. Um, great finish. So um, really good. Obviously disappointing for Treaty um, losing the game um, the way they did. Having been 2-0 up, look, you never want to lose a game at 2-0. Um, but that's what they uh, from that's what they say in football. Two 0 is the is probably the worst scoreline to have because the next goal is absolutely crucial. Tell me this: as a player, did you have a ground which you kind of felt was your lucky ground? The reason I ask you that is because Gary Shaw got the winner for Bray at Galway, and I he he has scored so many goals at Eamon DC Park. Gary Shaw throughout his career with the various clubs he's played for, and here he is again popping up and, and getting another one for Bray. You know what? I saw that stack uh, stack con, and I was like. It was 26 goals or something that he scored at DC Park. Extraordinary. <laughs> I don't know if it's that, is it that high? I, I didn't I thought, see that now. I, just, yeah, I thought it was 26. Or, yeah, well, look. I, I thought I, it was 15, but we're only nine out one way or the other. Or 11. Yeah, I, my yeah I don't know. Anyway, it's, yeah. Um, whatever it was, if it's over 10 even, um, it was unbelievable. Yeah. But you're asking me, what, um, did I have a favourite ground course? Telecom. Jesus, I can't believe you're asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I don't know what it is about um, certain grounds. It's like you have this kind of knack of scoring there, even though um, you don't, you don't have. I can't give an answer for. And um, obviously, it might be a confidence boost. You might have scored there earlier in your career, and you just happen to do so every so often. 
Um, I I always kind of seemed to score when I went back to Belfield. Actually, after playing, um, I actually never played at the Belfield Bowl for UCD. I played in Belfield Park, but I seemed to score a lot when I went to Bel- the Belfield Bowl. Um, and I'm not being smart. Tallow was always nice as well. Um, and Eamon DC Park was good for me too. So there's a couple of grounds now that I would have been um, that that I would have scored scored a few goals in, but I couldn't give you a reason why. Yeah, yeah, it probably is just maybe if you got one in your first game there, or you know, you scored a couple and suddenly you just got a nice vibe off the place or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a big three points for Bray and a badly needed three points for Bray. Galway, you know, they're only on six points, and I think they'd be expecting to do better than this at this point but I suppose it is still early days so no panic yet I don't know it's a bit of an understatement there thinking that they do better I really thought that they'd be up there challenging at the at the top end of this table um, full time outfit con um, and they're only on six points it's 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 a really tough start to the season for them and having getting back into the game after conceding so early against Bray I felt that they would have got pushed on and won the game um, especially when Rory Keaton scored just before half time and then to concede so late in the game, um, through Gary Shaw, obviously, um, when Bray haven't really lit the world on on fire either this season, let's let truth be told. But Gary Cronin will be absolutely delighted with his striker scoring goals because they they they've really struggled in that department. And for Joe Doyle and Gary Shaw to get off to to get off the mark, um, and to win down in in a very difficult place to go and 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 win, um, he'll be only delighted. Um, Cork City got a win under the belts 5-0 against Wexford Keen Murphy a couple there uh, Dara Crowley and Benone O'Brien Whitmarsh got two as well Wexford obviously the only team with no points in the division they've only scored two goals in the seven matches they've played and they've been shipping a lot of goals as well actually Galway play them next um, it's I mean it's a, a confidence booster for Cork City but Wexford uh, I don't know what can be done there it's like a confidence booster for every team when they come and play Wexford at the moment, Con. It's really poor, really disappointing. Um, like they don't that they're like six nil last week, five nil this week, um, two goalkeepers sent off in the one game. They had to have an emergency sign and they signed Ross Tracy, the former Dundalk mm. goalkeeper. Um, and then to go down to Turner's Cross, where Cork look, they they only had four points. They were second bottom themselves on um last weekend. And um five f- uh Capitulating five nil. Good thing about Cork though, Con, is that five of those three players that scored on the, on the night are all academy graduates from the from their academy, which is great to see as well. Stepping up to the mark, and that's what Cork City are going to be about this season. They obviously they don't have um the finances that they had in previous years, unfortunately, but um they have to rely on those academy players to come through, and it's a great chance for them. And we heard Ian Turner a couple of weeks last week when he talked about that. He talked about them um, when when Cork City really, really struggled and the, the fall from grace that they had. And it was up to the academy players to step up to the plate. And if you got your chance, you took it and Ian took it. So it's great to see the likes of Keen Murphy and Crowley and Whitmarsh um, showing what they can do and hopefully they can uh, they can stay in the team. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was Ben Ian or Ben Owen. Ben Ian is... is- it's actually it's a commentator's nightmare that name by the way Ben Ian O'Brien Whitmarsh it's just too many syllables in the yeah. name uh, Shaw yeah. is much better you know yeah. or even Burn you know um, well, uh, yeah it was a wonderful uh, victory for them though really good I was yeah yeah no it was good um, and and finally Shelburne on top uh, with UCD on 15 points the two unbeaten teams in the division Ryan Brennan your old mucker getting the goal 10 minutes into the second half and a second defeat in a row for Athlone who had been flying Still on 13 points, so they're only two off the uh, top and still 
right in the mix. But uh, that was a big three points for Shells, nevertheless. Yeah, they should. They were really good against Cavatini last week. Yet they lost two one in the game. Um, this week, Shelburne absolutely dominated from start to finish. It should have been more. Um, and I was really, really impressed again with Ryan Brennan. Um, it was great to hear Lorcan Fitzgerald actually on co-commentator duty for um, for LOI TV. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was great to hear him um, on that. But uh, yeah, coming up with the goods, really good uh, performance individually again from Ryan Brennan. Um, he's done it since he's signed for the club. He's come up with the big goals, and uh, he did it again the other night. So. Um, Great to see Ryan uh, performing so well again this season. And obviously Mitchell Byrne scoring for Cabin TV at home to Cove. Um, his first goal in, in the Cabo Colours and a, such a late one as well. And I'm sure Stuart Ashman and Ian Turner, of course, would be disappointed with the, with the outcome of that. Yeah, I was hoping to go down actually and see the end of that uh, match. But uh, just with the whole COVID thing going on at the moment, I I, I couldn't. But I'd, uh, I'd like to have got in even just for the last... 15 or 20 minutes of that game in uh, Cabin Teeley. Uh, next weekend, Bray at home to Cabin Teeley. Galway play Wexford. Uh, UCD take on Cork. Treaty United play Athlone. And then on the Saturday, Cove are at home to uh, Shells. In the Premier Division next week, Harps uh, take on Dundalk. Drogheda against Pats on the Friday night. Saturday, 6 o'clock kickoffs. Uh, Shamrock Rovers against Derry. Uh, Longford against Bowes. And Sligo against Waterford. So they're the fixtures in the Premier and First Division coming up uh, next weekend. Just before we go, Conan, the Women's National League, uh, Wexford Youths, 3 1 winners at Cork City. Avian Clancy scored twice in that match. DLR Waves beat Bowes 1 0. Shauna Carroll just before half time. It was a mistake by the Bowes keeper, Neve Coombs. She'll be really disappointed with uh, the way it dropped in over her head. Uh, and P Mount, 6 0 winners against Athlone. Uh, Sive Doyle got a couple in that one. Onyo Gorman uh, amongst the goals again for P-Mount. They're on top. Five games played, 15 points, scored 15 goals, conceded one. Um, now, Shelburne play Treaty United later on today, but already P-Mount uh, clear at the top and looking very strong. I've absolutely come like five wins out of five, 15 goals, average a three a game, absolutely flying. Eleanor Ryan Doyle and in, in flying form herself, she's going scoring for fun, scoring every week. Um, yeah, so and obviously defensively sound, um, only conceding one goal in those games too. So I fancy Shells, I keep saying I fancy Shells at the start of the season. Um, I'm still not going to turn though, Con. Um, I'm still thinking like Shells were the only team to score against them, so um. And shells, I think, will 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 outdo treaty this uh, this afternoon, but um, it's starting. It's it's really interesting. I've been really really impressed with DLR waves. Though, come really really impressed, um, with the job that they've did, that they've done there, bringing in the bringing in some really really talented players, and um, yeah, there's you know they're starting to win the games that they should be winning, and now it's up to them to try and kind of compete with the likes of Wexford, shells, and Peamount as well to try and break into that top three. Yeah, it's going to be a good battle as the uh, season progresses, but Piment uh, looking good. Shells, if they do beat Treaty this afternoon, will move on to 12 points to within three of Piment. So it is still going to be pretty tight at the top. And and next week, uh, Shells are at home to Galway. Piment play Cork. Uh, Wexford Youths take on Bowes. And Athlone uh, play DLR Waves. Treaty United are the team to miss out on the game uh, next week. So that's pretty much it uh, for this week from uh, LOI. Arena Conan, um, you, you, what's your next game now? Next game is Warren Point. We play Warren Point on Friday, so um, yeah, up against the likes of uh, Dan Bur- Daniel Bourne, Ryan Swan, um, Keelan Dillon, um, who else is up there? All uh, lads you would have come up against, yeah, in the Steve, league here. yeah, a lot of players, Stephen Ball as well, um, 
So yeah, they've a good few players that are that are up top. Um, that are from the from the south. Alan O'Sullivan as well. He's up there. So, yeah, it's like playing a, a League of Ireland game when you're playing against Warren Point. But um, and obviously Gavin Dykes is on the sideline. So uh, yeah, really interesting. Really looking forward to the game. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll cement that seventh spot. Well, listen. Good luck with that. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week, Conan. Thanks a million to uh, you for tuning in uh, uh, to another episode of LOI Arena this week, and we'll be back again next week. We've, uh, as I said, we've some really, really good guests uh, coming. I mean, we had a really good guest today. We've uh, we, we've had really good guests throughout the series so far, but we've some smashing guests coming up. So, um, best of luck to you. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. See you, Conan. See you, Conan.